Welcome to the Evolve Pod, brought to you by Evolve Wellbeing Group. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again on the next episode of the Evolve Pod. I'm kind of in awe of our guest today. She's uh, an absolute inspiration and, and has achieved some absolutely incredible things. Claire Smith, the owner and founder of Brutal Events. She's also an author, a graphic designer, and the only person from the UK to finish a double decker, which is a 20 times Ironman distance challenge, which we're going to get into later on. And that in itself is absolutely incredible. And in doing my research into, into Claire's story, there's so many cool things that we're going to talk about today. I don't, I don't really know where to start, but Claire, thanks very much for coming on, on the pod today. It's, um, we've had a bit of an issue trying to get this recorded for various different things, and it's finally happening, which I'm really pleased about. We made it, yeah. So, um, so yeah, how are you? You okay? Yeah, yeah, good. Good, good. thank you. Yeah. Good, good. So I know uh, this week you've done uh, Everest, which is a bike challenge, cycling up the, the total ascent of Everest, which is in itself is a brutal challenge. We're going to talk about all of this, but, you know, this, this the last 12 months have been a bit of a struggle for everybody. How have you, how have you found that? Because obviously you're a business owner, you're also an athlete, you know, what kind of things have you done in the last year to kind of, to kind of help yourself? So the, Business, brutal, has, I've just had to kind of hit pause with it, really. There's not much, you know, a lot of um, uh, organisers are doing virtual things and stuff like that. But, I mean, to be honest, I've just kind of put everything on hold and just looking, hopefully, to this year um, and just kept in communication with everyone. And, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of people out there sort of being stressing about it. It's just the thing you can't control. And I think, you know, I've just kind of tried to get that across to people. As soon as we can do it, you know, we'll do it. And for me personally, it's been tricky trying to find some alternative uh, financial, you know, kind of trying to replace work as such. Um, I'm a graphic designer, so I've been doing a bit of that. Um, and and I've been writing books and stuff like that. And also just doing my own challenges to keep myself sane, if you like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, a, I think that's a theme for a lot of people, isn't it? Is trying to do things to keep yourself sane and to not actually focus too much on what's going on and trying not to control the uncontrollable absolutely yeah um yeah similar to you I've, I've got a triathlon coaching business which has you know been hit pretty hard by by lockdown and it's kind of you essentially just have to almost let it go and as soon yeah. as we can we'll be yeah. you know we'll be up and going again so um so hopefully lockdown will be will be over soon and we can get going again um so yeah you've done you keep yourself busy with various challenges and you know some of the things you've done i, I alluded to at the beginning are, are absolutely incredible you know this endurance um, ability to push your mind and body further than anybody i've ever spoken to and you know i've got a network of friends who do various challenges and ironmans etc but some of the things you've done are, are uh, just incredible I, I would love to talk about that uh, in due course but as with all sort of stories and all journeys they've got to start from somewhere so you said you mentioned in your sort of bio that you did your first triathlon back in 2005 I believe it was yeah. what was um what was life for you like back in 2005 what what was it that kind of made you think oh, I'm going to have a go at a triathlon um 
it is weird because I'm just finishing off my book at the moment so this covers all that I've had to reread it recently and it's <laughs> crazy but yeah I was I was actually a housewife I was like a proper normal housewife before everything I was running marathons but I was relatively I won't say sane but I was I was doing a good job of pretending to be um, and then I overheard um, some people um, at my running club um, and this guy was saying how he was training for an Ironman and how awful it was and how hard it was. And I was just like, whatever that is, I want to do it. <laughs> and literally I found out then after that it was actually a triathlon and I couldn't swim and I couldn't ride up, you know, I haven't ridden a bike for years and all that sort of stuff. So it then became, you know, not just about doing an Ironman. It was like, oh my goodness, I have to learn to swim and um, all that. You know, I could do breaststroke really badly. <laughs> I could probably save myself if I really had to, but that was it. So it then became like this massive sort of task of, you know, it took me three months to learn to swim properly and I had all these open water fears um, and, and just water fears actually, just swimming in the deep end. Um, so there was all that to sort of, you know, overcome. And then there was the, the issue of a bike, buying a bike, learning how to ride a proper, you know, bike with proper pedals and things like that. So yeah, it was huge <laughs> and it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, so, so was that was an Ironman your first triathlon, or did you do? Yeah, I did the Wimbledon half Ironman as my first. I mean, I wanted to do Ironman UK as my first, but then I yeah. realised it was a bit big, so we did a half, yeah, 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 <laughs> which yeah. was also really crazy because it was very hilly course then. Yeah, uh, and Ironman UK at the time was in Sherbourne, um, before Bolton, so that was yeah, that was my second triathlon. So okay. And so, so you mentioned you were running marathons beforehand. Sort of, was what was the what was the impetus to run the marathons? Was it to because you enjoyed running? Was it as an escape from being a housewife? What kind of what kind of thing motivated you to get out and get running before before having a go at triathlon? Um, so basically, it was a bit of a weight thing. Um, I've always had issues with kind of eating problems and kind of controlling calories. So it started off as you know that, and then I realised how it helped me mentally you know the feeling I'd get after I came back from a run was brilliant and and I realized that was you know what I needed to do to sort of you know help with my mental state keep me steady mm -hmm. so definitely like a really nice link between the exercise and keeping that you know, yourself on a kind of a, yeah, a good track me mentally me yeah it took me a while to make the kind of link between it but then I realized that yeah it was a much better way but then of course because I'm so extreme <laughs> I didn't just say running a marathon no of course not so yeah it went a bit nuts after that <laughs> so how did you find your first Ironman then um fairly horrendous yeah it was pretty it was really cold I mean it's August and I feel the cold anyway but it, it was a really the organizers that had said it's actually a really forecast to be really cold and it was so I was hypothermic when I come out the swim and, and absolutely freezing on the bike and the run wasn't too bad actually it warmed up by then so but it was, yeah, it was a fairly um, traumatic experience as most people's first Ironman are. Yeah. <laughs> so then the, the question then comes to mind, because I remember my first Ironman and I, I look back on it very fondly, probably more fondly than the rest of the ones I've done. Hmm. Whereas the one that you did sounds like it was pretty, well, you said it yourself, pretty traumatic. What was it that kind of hooked you in then to carry on and to start on this journey of towards these incredible challenges that you set yourself? I, I don't know, because I didn't like triathlon. I had no intention of, of having it as a, like a regular part of my life. I thought it was crazy. All the kit you had to have, all the kit you had to take, you know, it was, I was going to get this Ironman done and out the way and I was never going to do triathlon again. I was going to go back to running. And, um, and then after the Ironman, I did, um, 
a double Ironman literally the next year. And then I did an ultra triathlon in Lanzarote and then it just got out of control like completely. But I guess it was the fact that I just, I like setting myself challenges. I don't think I can complete or I think I'm going to really struggle. I guess that's, if I know I'm going to be able to do it, there's no point for me at all. Yeah, I, th- I I can definitely resonate with you on that one. And, you know, I, we spoke offline about some of the things I've done before. And sometimes when you're looking to get motivated, it's not that easy to get motivated by something you know you can do. And therefore, setting a challenge that you kind of believe you can do, but you don't know you can do because you've never done it before. There's a certain almost romance with that. Yeah. And there's a certain kind of challenge towards that. But I guess the really interesting thing with you is, you know, where does that line stop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where does that line stop? And if we, you know, some of the, I keep saying some of the things you've done, but you know, the double decker, which, which is what it's a forty-eight mile swim, two thousand two hundred forty mile bike ride, and a five hundred twenty-four mile run. That, you know, <laughs> the mind boggles really. And I guess we brought it up, so let's get into that a little bit. How? How did that come about? Because there's an Ironman, there's a double Ironman. You know, I've got a buddy who's done a Quinn Ironman. You've mm-hmm. done a Decker. And there's a handful of people that I could probably reel off that I know of that have done a Decker. But to think, right, okay, I've done a Decker. That didn't finish me off. I'm going to I'm gonna do, I'm going to double it. Wait, wait, what was the process like going into that, that, that double Decker? Well... I never, I knew it was going on that year. I was also running Brutal, obviously, and we were running Decker UK. So we we were up in York doing that. And the double Decker was about six weeks after that. And in between that, I had Brutal triathlons to run as well. So I was pretty stressed out. I was umming and ahhing still about it. I hadn't really prepared physically. Um, Mentally, things took a little bit of a a spiral downwards. after brutal and I wasn't in the best of places mentally I've got to be honest I was very very low there was a lot of stuff going on um quite bad stuff actually I you know it sounds really you know difficult but the best way I could deal with it was to put myself through like an incredibly difficult challenge just so it's what I do Mm -hmm. um a lot of people may take it easy and look after themselves and take walks along the beach but I decided to fly to Mexico and do a double decker (laughs) that's that's what I needed to do at that time so I needed to get away um and the way I deal with things when I'm um a bit mental is to to hurt myself (laughs) yeah and it's interesting you kind of say that and there's definitely some that they don't like the the addictive traits that people have I think they never disappear, do they? Uh-huh. It's how you channel them yeah, for, to, for the benefit. Yeah. And I think having this thing of, okay, this is my way of dealing with it. And this is my way of almost uh, a coping me- mechanism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then as long as it's kind of a, a sort of healthy way of coping with it and you can justify it and it's what you need, then then that's really cool. Yeah. But it's also great that you can kind of, I think, you know, when you face the adversity, you can go off and put yourself to do through to do something absolutely incredible and I imagine going on doing that that double decker was a serious journey for yourself in mm-hmm. terms of I, I don't know did you find out sort of more about yourself as you as you did that epic challenge because how long did it take um 
oh my goodness it's been like 28 days or something um <laughs> it was crazy because i'd gone out there in the september and i'd come back in november <laughs> it was weird when i came back it was winter and and i was like so confused because i would missed the whole season and it was like i just couldn't my brain just couldn't work it out at all um what did i learn i mean i already knew that when it came down to things i was i, I could push through a lot of pain um with this it was just an uh, yeah, switched off I probably didn't really because when you're doing this long stuff you don't really switch off because it's quite mind-numbing because you're just going around in laps you don't have to think of anything like on other challenges I've done when I've had to think about logistics and routes and things like that so I, I wouldn't have said I switched off from my problems I think I just wanted to clear my mind and have some space chat to other people go through you know a hard experience but at the same time you you know when you're doing this sort of stuff like Mexico, there was some incredible times out there amongst all the pain. Like, you know, I saw like a raccoon, I saw three raccoons and um, I've never seen a raccoon before, you know, and possums and, and stuff like that. And these crazy squirrels that used to run across in front of the bikes like all the time that you'd try and like try not to kill. And there was all this stuff going on, which was in amongst it all, I was really struggling still. So it was this kind of odd juxtaposition of, I don't want to use the word depression, but real dark mood I was in and then having the most awesome time with my ultra friends you know trying not to like kill squirrels and just you know uh, you know there was one point where me and Shanda and another guy was just sitting on the floor in the middle of the night eating chocolate you know just sitting on the wrong course <laughs> you're just like this stuff is nuts you don't get to do this very often yeah. so it was living in that moment you know really feeling each moment it's really important to live in the moment, particularly if you're going through certain sort of forms of adversity, mm. to live in the moment and appreciate those moments. And, you know, it might sound silly to remember that you've seen three raccoons, but that's a that's a real good way of kind of, you know, showing what that meant to you on a real basic level to go away and experience these these things. Mm. How did, Logistically, how does a, an event like a double decker work? You know, because you, you how, how much do you sleep from how much when do you eat all this kind of all these questions I mean, i've done some long stuff but nothing nothing like yeah, I mean, 28 days before i've done long stuff with the, like the decker and that i we had a like i had a routine where i would sleep at sort of 10 because i go to bed quite early anyway i'm an early riser so i'd go to bed at 10 and i'd get up at two no matter what, what section i was on not the swim obviously but during the bike and the run and and that worked for me so that four hour break was enough but, and I thought with the double decker, that's exactly what would happen again. But it didn't at all. The swim took it out of us massively, all of us. Um, and from that point onwards, and like maybe the heat as well, and just just the length of it all, I don't know. It just didn't happen. Those four, that four hour break that I planned for just didn't happen. So it was, you slept. And because we were camped on the side of the, the race course itself, we just slept as and when. So if you were falling asleep, you knew you only had a few miles to get back you could crawl into your tent for 40 minutes and then get back on it again and it became very much dealing with everything in the moment then there was no plan and I know me and the girls and a few other guys you know really struggled with that we lost control of it as you know you just had to do and I like a little bit of control you know I like to have a plan it makes you feel good and I, and I lost control of it it was like shit I just need to I need to sleep and I need to sleep now yeah 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 <laughs> The same with the food, it didn't really, you know, the plant again went out the window. It was just 
eating what I could find, eating, you know, what they were preparing, which is different to what I thought, and, and but still okay, but, and then just working with whatever was there, it wasn't the stuff you wanted, it wasn't always there, and I didn't have any crew, you couldn't really, sometimes, you know, people would turn up and say, do you want a cheeseburger, and it'd be like the best day ever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that stuff just happened, and you just, it was just like living in the moment, just, yeah, brilliant, really, when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, an, an incredible achievement. And that, uh, so after the 28 days, you, you, you've you crossed the finish line. I mean, how did that feel crossing the finish line after a, a, an epic challenge like that? It's weirdly anticlimactic, to be quite honest. Um, mm-hmm. The ones I've done in Switzerland, they make a huge deal out of the finish, really huge. And it it always freaks me out a little bit because I'm not one for that sort of stuff. And I, I get really sort of apprehensive. You know, I can see that I'm about to finish and I'm almost like, can I just like... Do just another lap. Really <laughs> finish line completely and, and I had to force myself with a decker to actually finish properly because they give you the flag and they make you kind of like hold it up and I was like oh my god this is the worst and you're so sleep deprived but I had to force myself to really kind of embrace that moment and the same with the double decker but the double decker was like it was a it was like a Friday morning the park just had people jogging in it you know and, and there was a handful of race people you know a few guys that had finished already and and it was just really low-key and actually, it was, it was really nice. It was really cool. And then afterwards, I was given, like, literally two hours to sleep and have a shower. And then I was dragged off to the shopping mall because the girl, Shanda, who'd already finished, and Laura, they wanted to go shopping. So I was forced to go shine out. The worst thing. I know. Oh. Like, I, know. <laughs> I had to keep way. sitting down. I was like, can I just go back to the run course, please? Yeah. <laughs> but but that, that in itself, you know, spending 28 days essentially racing. Yeah. A very different type of racing to what a lot of oh yeah yeah people will, will, <laughs> will know but it's still 28 days racing to then go from that to a shopping mall I know must have been a bit of a kind of a bit of a me- mess for the head maybe it's really strange because we were racing through town at one point with the guys and the music was blaring and, and I just thought yeah I've just finished a double decker I'm now zoomed along in this guy's car at like 100 mile an hour in in a car full of people who are like all over the world, Canada, America, you know, Germany, uh, the guy who was from it. And it was just so like, wow, this, this isn't an everyday thing. This is, and I really, I really kind of appreciated that moment for what it was, you know, really incredible, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, really bizarre. But quite often those bizarre experiences and those bizarre moments are, are the ones you, <laughs> you cherish the most, right? You know, you've got, you've got all these kind of, crazy people that would be up for doing the challenge like that all in one car mm-hmm. experiencing yeah. that thing together that's not going to happen very often is it not ever again literally yeah. I was just thinking this is brilliant <laughs> that's really cool really really cool and that was back in 20, 2019 wasn't it yeah yeah so then obviously everyone knows what happened in 2020 in terms of the world closing down <laughs> shutting down and we sort of spoke at the beginning about you know setting yourself some challenges to you know keep you sane keep you kind of uh keep your well-being keep you healthy and you came across the idea of a self-supported joggle mm-hmm. and so you know i'll introduce it as the john Groats to land's end but can you tell the listener a little bit more about your reasons for doing it yeah planning yeah what it looked like etc i remember following it online and just looking at some of your posts and just thinking <laughs> not, not, not a chance i would ever be up for that <laughs> Running along the road with lorries and 
So just just to paint a picture for for those listening, so Claire ran from John O'Groats to Lands End, pushing was it a three wheeled pram essentially, yeah, full of full of jogger. yeah, full of your own. And I had a baby jogger when my little, when my boy, who's nineteen now, was actually a baby. So I mm. knew baby jogger was going to be the best option, but I was really fighting it before I went. Mm-hmm. So initially I was going to do it with a Bergen, and that just turned out after training on the coast pass with that, which almost broke me. I was yeah. like, no, this is not going to work. And then um, I tried to get a trailer and that almost took me out. And I was like, no. And I knew it was going to have to be a jogger, but I was fighting it because I just, the whole pushchair 
no baby. Crazy <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. Great> woman. <laughs> I thought that for a while, then I was like, you're going to have like a week before I went. I was like, you need to get a baby jogger. <laughs> yeah. I literally got a second hand one from Gumtree like a week before. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. <laughs> so then, my, so my, my head is going in the direction of, you know, I've got various um, athletes that I coach and that I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, do various triathlons and runs and et cetera. And we did a pod last week with um, Shane Benzie, a, a running coach that you may, may know of. Mm-hmm. And it was very much about posture and, you know, using your body's natural movement to run effectively. When you're pushing a pram, mm-hmm. you kind of limit your ability to, to use your posture and run how we're specifically sort of designed to run. Did you pick up any sort of injuries, niggles? You know, it, 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 it must have been points where it just really properly hurt. Oh, it hurt an awful lot. <laughs> it hurt a lot. It, the pushchair was actually really good. I think because they've been designed specifically to run with, they're so good. Um, I had no issues with running normally. It, going um, downhill was horrendous. And where I hadn't trained with it, really, um, I hadn't any idea. And of course, I started in Scotland. There's quite a few hills up there. And, um, and the downhill, because it was so heavy, I um, mean, you were having to, there's a break on the front wheel, but of course, when the when it jumps up and down the buggy, which obviously it does quite a bit, there's no brakes then when the wheel's up in the air. So you spend a lot of time just trying to control what is quite a heavy buggy because it's got all my kit in it um, down the hill. And that's that really hurt. It hurt my knees, hurt, it hurt everything actually. And I was quite shocked by that. Like I remember like day two just going, oh God. And the last time, it, I mean, obviously time I got to Cornwall because I thought, I knew Cornwall was hilly, but I, in my head, I didn't believe it could be as hilly as Scotland, but it really is. It's oh, yeah, hilly cool. and it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's relentless. And yeah. in Scotland, you'd have flat, but then you'd have a big steep hill, but then it would be. But Cornwall, oh my God, the last few days, the, the day before I finished, I cried more than anything I think put together. It was just the worst day. So, yeah, going downhill was my absolute nightmare. The rest of the time, it was a dream, apart from when the wheel broke in Hereford. But <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> 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 he just broke off and just wheeled away by itself. And I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> so then, was there ever a point at which you thought quitting was a viable option, or does, does that not just does that not um, into your mindset? There was definitely moments up in Scotland. I know my mum said to me, "I didn't think you'd make it. I didn't think you'd do it." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> it wasn't until I sort of started moving down the country that she started thinking, oh, actually, I think she might." So yeah, there was a couple of moments in Scotland. I mean, I'd set myself a bit of a brutal task of doing two marathons a day to kind of try and finish in 16 days, which was completely unrealistic. And many of my friends had laughed at me and told me that I was being an idiot and I ignored them as usual. So the first day I did a double marathon and realised the next day that it just wasn't for me as an athlete and with the amount of prep, it just wasn't going to be viable you know with no crew and you, you have there's a lot of time spent in finding somewhere to sleep and setting up camp and stuff like that and it's really quite difficult when you're on your own you have to do everything um even finding somewhere to camp can be quite challenging um as i discovered so yeah i, I once i'd learned once i sort of accepted i guess that one my route was going to change and i was going to be doing more miles and two that i was actually just going to be doing about 40 miles a day rather than 52 once I got my head around that, I thought, actually, I think I can finish this. Hmm. It's 40 miles a day is still a considerable 
It is. Oh, I'm out of miles. Yeah, when you're trying to do everything. I mean, I get up very early. I mean, sometimes I'll be up at like four in the morning and just I'd get like 10 miles done sort of running, maybe half a marathon done. And then the rest of it would be sort of slower and run and walk. And then the last section would be walk, walk. And then just, yeah, find somewhere to sleep if I wasn't in a hotel. Like later on down the country, I, I would use a few the um, Premier Inns. Which was really nice. Yeah, like, I had a premiere and I was like, I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love um, the world camping actually, especially in Scotland. That was an amazing experience of just being able to go past a field and go, yeah, that looks all right. And then literally just, I mean, I was always a bit sneaky. I don't want to be like brazen and I obviously I'll, like tuck myself away somewhere, but it was very cool just to think, yeah, I'm going to camp here. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Did you experience that weird sort of um, feeling that you were kind of completely solo, yet knowing that there was a hell of a lot of people following you and supporting you? Um, yeah, way more than I ever thought. And the amount of people that started coming out to find me um, was incredible. There were some days where I didn't have like a minute to myself. I would literally say goodbye to somebody and I'd go around the corner and there'd be someone else. It was bizarre. But and for someone who's a bit introverted, sometimes I thought it would be a bit much, but actually it was amazing. And the energy I got from everybody um, and just just kind of knowing that everybody was kind of just there watching. And yes, I was on my own. And like, especially sometimes like when it was really spooky and dark and stuff like that, it was, but it was still nice to know that there were some people that they knew exactly where I was. And, you know, <laughs> I was never completely, yeah, like you say, I never felt alone yeah that's amazing and, and so that challenge I don't I can't remember how long how long did that take you to to do John O'Groats to Land's End with the trolley 23 days and eight hours sorry 33 did you say 23 23 days wow yeah. okay and then so again the recovery after that coming sort of back to the whatever the normal world is how, mm -hmm. how did you how do you find that adjustment from doing these huge challenges and spending time you know with with sort of like-minded individuals and also time on your own to then the challenge finished what's next how does that transition work I mean, for you if everything's gone okay and I'm I kind of just come back I mean it's difficult with these big ones I'm always I come back and I'm like a stone lighter and I'm not that big to start with so there's, there's this element of just me just at home like a bag of bones and it's I mean with the joggle I was desperate to come home I you know by the last sort of four or five days I'd really had enough of camping wild I was in a lot of pain with my feet and everything and I was feeling the cold something rotten so I I had gone home in my head quite a while before I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like I was so happy to be home and just have the simple things are just like a bed and a sofa oh, yeah I was very happy to be home and it's just I think I'm being kind of like I've got a performance coach working with me Stuart Rimmer at the moment he's saying that I should take a bit more time after I finish these things to acknowledge them and move on rather quickly sometimes unless I fail something and if I fail something I I'm like I dwell on it for weeks giving myself a hard time if I, if I succeed I'm like yeah brilliant next yeah what's next what's next <laughs> yeah. well, I think that's a it's a very valid point from your coach there that you know for, you know taking away the fact that you know who you are and the challenges that you've done which are which are epic but everybody's got their own epic mm -hmm. and I think when you achieve something that you've set yourself you need to take time to <clears throat> really focus in on what you've just done 
and give yourself a massive pat on the back and kind of really, you know, almost work out what that's done for you, what that's done potentially for other people to, to kind of to really learn from that and to, to then move on rather than just be, you know, we're all guilty of it. Go, well, I've done that. Right. What's next? And we see that really often in triathlon. Yeah. I'm going to do a sprint try. I'm going to do a, yeah. uh, probably skip out Olympic straight to half Ironman or even straight to Ironman. Yeah. And then you kind of like the journey is almost too short because it's gone straight from one to the big stuff. And I think to, for, for people to really, um, yeah, it's really important to give yourself a big pat on the back and, and mm-hmm. see the value in what you've done. Yeah. You mentioned there about failure and how sometimes the, if you don't achieve something, you'll probably dwell on that more than if you do. And the, the one example of this that I've picked up on recently is the, um, I, whether I'm pronouncing it wrong, the owner or the Wanna triathlon. Wanna. Wanna, there we are. The Wanna Ultra, which, correct me if I'm wrong, you've tried it six times. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And your one of your Instagram posts was like, I've tried again and sadly had to stop mm-hmm. injuries and you weren't going to make the cutoff. What's your mindset towards that challenge now? Is it, is it something you're, you're going to go back and do until it's done? Yeah. And what I need to do is to just, um, it's really obvious, but I just need to train for it properly. Um, I'm not the fastest athlete out there. Um, and that's fine. You know, I am what I am, but I can't get away with some of the tighter cutoffs. And I, I've got a very optimistic brain that thinks that I can wing things. <laughs> and sometimes you can wing things and sometimes I can really grizz things out like like the juggle I hadn't prepared for it really I hadn't trained for it but I can put myself in these situations and and just get them done but you know the one out over the coastline is, is brutal literally and it you know I, I I could do it now but I couldn't do it under 24 hours it wouldn't be I'm getting closer I mean the last time we did it it probably would have been 25 maybe a tad over but that's not what I wanted and that's what you know because I was with my my friend my business partner and he said you know we're going to be over and I said yeah I know and he's he's like do you still want to do it and I'm like no there's no point because I'm going to do it again (laughs) it breaks in therapy as well so I was like no no so I just I just need to actually dedicate you know six months to properly prepare for it and I know this and it's really must be frustrating for people around me as well but I, I will actually dedicate some time to it and the thing is with me I get distracted terribly by other things so it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like oh I don't want to go I'm going to do that <laughs> and then you're <laughs> for months afterwards and then again my recovery is not very good I don't necessarily give myself the chance to properly recover before jumping into some other because <laughs> that, that that wasn't too long after the joggle was it well the thing is I did the joggle in what was it I think I came back in September and then I did a, an off-road double Ironman in October yeah part of writing an article for 220 which was really exciting yeah first time I've properly written been commissioned to write something which I was really thrilled about was I kind of recovered from the juggle? Probably not. Should I have been done the water a month after? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can see what's going on here. But then, so, so my kind of thought there is I'd like to ask you the question. And all the things that you do, all the challenges, the types of challenge that you do, how much of it is your <clears throat> sort of your mental endurance and your ability to, to create that mindset that you're just going to carry on? you know no matter what versus your physical capabilities because obviously you need 
you know, I've got an idea what I think is the right sort of balance. I'd just like to hear your perspective. You need a nice mix of the two, mm. but which do you think, you know, for you, for you as an individual, what, what's the balance between the, the mental it's mindset massive. versus the physical? It's massively mental for me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, thought I wouldn't class myself as super fit. People have said that to me in the past. It's so, so off. It's so wrong. I'm not super fit at all. Um, I'm quite injured most of the time. <laughs> it is, yeah, it, it's mostly mental for me, definitely. And do you think that mental, uh, that ability to push yourself mentally, do you think that comes from some some of the things that you alluded to at the beginning in terms of going through those harder times with with other challenges that have enabled you to create the strategies and to go through the physical pain for the kind of the, almost the greater good as your coping mechanism? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got a really destructive personality. You know, I had um, a, a bad addiction to alcohol for a long part of my life um which I'm now I've you know I've stopped drinking I don't drink so um that was about eight years ago um and that that was a really big deal for me that was you know I was living this really crappy half life you know a double life actually (laughs) where you know I was still doing you know Ironman double Ironman all that sort of stuff running a business looking after my kids having this you know secret which you know I, I really struggled with and I struggled to hide it from everyone and it was just it's just how I'd learned to cope as a teenager when I had some issues um, and unfortunately it's something I really struggled to give up and I thought I was weak because of that but it sort of turns out that I think the more stronger minded you are the more determined you are to keep the addiction and but but still do everything else as well yeah <laughs> I gave up it was like the most incredible relief it was like it took me so long to give up as well but once I finally did it I was like oh my god this is amazing I don't have this all this wasted energy it was brilliant but you know I still have this destruction inside me it's my personality so I I let myself embrace the crazy stuff that I do because I recognize that's who I am and there's no point in trying to hide it there's no point in me going yeah no I'm perfectly fine I'm completely normal I'm not <laughs> but, <laughs> what is what I'm is like, normal though yeah exactly but it, you know whilst I'm doing this stuff I'm not drinking or doing drugs or doing anything crazy and yes people might say the stuff that I do is crazy but it's a good healthy crazy for me to a point it does hurt quite a lot and sometimes I can do some you know pretty <laughs> big damage but it's not drinking damage it's not drugs damage it's not anything like that you know did you find when you so when you faced your drinking addiction um did you find there was then more space to approach the endurance sports and actually give it a little the endurance sports a, a hell of a lot more than what you were able to previously and therefore achieve these you know the double decker and the decker etc I do you know I haven't actually thought about that but I guess yeah I mean I guess if I was still drinking I wouldn't be doing this stuff um, I mean, yeah, it, it's been such a, the last sort of eight years or so, it's been such a huge journey for me. Um, yeah, and it, I guess it must have just created more space for more crazy to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So then looking forward, so 2021 this year, um, you've got the Arch to Arc. Um, no, not this year, because everything was cancelled last year. I'm now backed up, so I'm I'm the following year now. So okay. We didn't go last year, so I to go this year. So I remember when I met my now wife uh, back in 2013, she gave me a book 
of the world's toughest endurance challenges and the arc <laughs> the arch to arc was yeah. one of the things the pages that got the uh the fold over the mm. so was like oh that looks like unbelievably cool <laughs> like epic and now my time of life now what 30 38 with three kids three young kids under four there's no chance no <laughs> chance i'm going to be able to give that a go for for the foreseeable future but so what is it it's can you explain to the listeners what what the arch to arc challenge is so you run from london to dover you swim the english channel that's about 90 miles you swim the english channel and then you cycle from calais to paris which is about 90 hilly miles um, the swim is mainly done in the wetsuit but if you're hardcore you can do it without that's never going to happen <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking should i ask or not i'm not sure <laughs> i mean if i could wear two wetsuits i would <laughs> I, I literally have so much neoprene on when i do swimming it's it's a joke but i i do feel the cold this is why the arch to arc is such a huge challenge for me it's biggest it's harder than the double decker for me it's harder than anything i've ever done um, because of the, the cold issues I have and also um, because of my panic attacks as well. I've had a lot of panic attacks in open water, so I have to constantly deal with that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, I, I just hate sea swimming. I love it and I hate it. You know, there are times when I absolutely love it. There are times when you, I just can't get out of the water quick enough. I wish that I loved it like I love running, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? There's there's a certain element of what you've just said that resonates with me. You know, I, I'm a triathlon coach. Our business is built around helping people swim. But, but on a personal level, running for me brings me so much. I, I'd absolutely love running. If, if someone said you can do nothing but run for the rest of your life, I'd be like, brilliant, That's great, happy, happy days. <laughs> yeah. but the swimming, the swimming side of stuff, I, I don't feel like I struggle with the same sort of things that you've alluded to there as in the panic attacks but from an athletic perspective it's all the, it's always the one I've had to work hard on to maintain any sort of ability and fitness etc but then the, the crazy thing for me is that okay you've said all of that and then you're entering this cold water channel mm -hmm. swim which a channel swim in itself is oh, yeah. a, a, a ridiculously mm -hmm. challenging um, swim let alone as part of another event where yeah. you're going to be fatigued when you start that that's the thing isn't it because like a 90 mile run for most people uh, ultra people is not any it's not a big deal i mean it is but it's not if you know what i mean but mm. to then have to get into the water feeling so tired and your body temperature drops from it as well i've done a fair amount of like long training sessions geared towards the arch clock and i know how it feels to run for six hours during the night have an hour or two sleep and then go and try and do a four hour sea swim it's really hard it's people will underestimate how how difficult that is yeah well there's a reason why it was in that book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then so and then obviously on your website as well you've got the trans am that's, yeah, that's coming yeah. up like, oh man will it happen this year i mean i know it's set to happen but it's you know will we be able to um get out and actually do it i don't know and again i'm not focusing too much on that because last year i was disappointed when it didn't happen and um, uh, as I say, I try not to focus on things I can't control right now. So um, I, I'm just at the moment just training, um, and I, I'm quite looking for. I mean, one of the things I want to do this year is swim across Loch Lomond, mm -hmm. um, and I think um, the lady who's going to help me there, who's who's got the boat, she. I think we've kind of decided that if we can get like COVID tests and stuff like that and do it on social we can probably do that in September um, so I'm kind of focusing on that because I think I can control that to a certain extent everything else 
yeah, who's to know whether it's going to happen? It's going to be a funny year, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I have people sort of saying, you know, any of my races is going to happen this year, and I'm sort of like, I, I'm not the guy to be asking. I've, no, I mean, no one has a clue, about, really. Yeah, people asking me about Brewster in September, and I just don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's very tricky. I, I mean, I started the year thinking, oh, we'll be fine by September. I'm now not so sure. So it will be what it will be, but there's no point in, in fighting it. It's just, we've just got to ride it out, haven't we? So. Yeah, absolutely. And so for, for any of the listeners that, that are that have listened to this conversation, do, do you want to tell them a little, little bit more about brutal events? Because um, I know that some people have, you know, given the nature of what people have been allowed to do over lockdown in terms of particularly cycling and running, I think there'll be a bit of a uh, an increase in participation in, in sort of triathlon and, and, the, <laughs> and these types of sports. But you always get that, you know, you always get people that want to progress from the standard yeah. stuff to the slightly more challenging stuff, to the rugged stuff, to the wild yeah. stuff and then to the to the brutal stuff. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about your your business. So brutal, I started brutal. I did the first UK double Ironman in Litchfield, um, near Birmingham, um, 2009 or something. And that was amazing achievement. But afterwards, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to put a, a double Ironman on a really like challenging terrain, being me, you know? <laughs> um, and from there, brutal was born, um, like brutal, the extreme triathlons. Um, originally, it was going to just be a double Ironman, but then I quickly realised that financially that wasn't going to work because there was only six people in the country that wanted. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's really expensive. Yeah. So um, I then decided to put a half and a full version of the race on, which was brilliant, and it that paid for everything and paid for the double, to be honest. So and then that kind of grew and became sort of recognised as one of the hardest events, you know, triathlons in the world. I'm a double for sure. And there's no double out there, like like you know what we do so and then stupidly one year I decided to put a triple on um and so we do that every other year now so we alternate and then oh my god like last year yeah because last year we couldn't put it on uh, I decided yeah Quinn let's try a Quinn which we won't go any further than a Quinn because the deck would just be too much and a Quinn might be too much to be quite honest with 12 miles like lake swim and 560 miles around like you circle around the snow dome yes um you know the actual mountain snowden and then oh you have to go up snowden <laughs> you know it's going to be 132 mile run it's going to be crazy so that's basically on the cards um we also do like a swim standalone swim the big brutal swim um distances from 2.5k up to 10k um, I do a duathlon as well because there's quite a few people that love brutal but just don't like swimming. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, not that many extreme duathlons around, so that's sort of like really cool. Um, and then we do the Wana, um, and that's yeah, three marathons. The reason it's called the Wana is because the original company that that run it ran it um, did three marathons over three days, which they still do VO2 events. And the Wana is all of them in one day. So there's that, and then the Midnight Mountain Marathon, which is a, a simple marathon going over Pennyban in Brecon Beacons. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 So that's that's yeah. It's been going now about ten years or so. Yeah, you've definitely got a bit of a cult following with the brutal events. You, 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 it's, you, you know, the yeah. more you immerse yourself in the triathlon community, the more it mm -hmm. pops up from time to time. It's like it's such it's the coolest thing because I've made such good like lifelong friends. Mm. Um, we also run the DACA every other year as well when we're able to and that again is a particularly special group of 
people that you know really want to push their limits beyond like 10 days triathlon it's crazy so I've met some incredible people do that and they have just become such good friends to me yeah it's been an awesome experience oh that's really that's fantastic well I think that's probably a really nice note to, to wrap it up on and, and the triathlon community is is a it's unique but it's yeah. pretty awesome and it gives it gives as much as you want to put into it um i always i've described it before as the most kind of almost like team orientated individual sport you can yeah. do isn't it yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah so claire you've got um you've got one book out already haven't you which is the joggle book yeah. yeah no easy day you've got another book becoming brutal which is more of an autobiography coming out in february yeah literally just um last few tweaks now that I'm doing um trying to get the cover sorted which is just horrible horrible, actually it's really (laughs) keen to get it done because it's like focusing on you and your life and things that have happened it's it's not a hugely comfortable experience um yeah I'm quite pleased to get to the end of it (laughs) no I'm looking forward to that I'm definitely going to have a read of that that's going to be really interesting um but yeah thanks very much for coming on today I really appreciate you giving up your time and and talking so candidly and openly with me and and obviously the listeners um if you want to follow Claire it's at brutal Claire on Instagram um and it's definitely worth a worth a follow it's a kind of a real life account of the highs and lows of being an uber extreme athlete um (laughs) there's some funny stuff there's some serious stuff there's some real positive stuff and there's just stuff about you know life and, and what it means to kind of try and push yourself through these boundaries um just to finish off out of all the events you've done what's been your absolute favorite and why hmm question probably the deca the continuous deca i did in switzerland that was just an epic experience and that was like my first really big amazing race and yeah that was and it just all went really quite well and yeah it was that was yeah we'll go with that one (laughs) nice yeah cool well look claire look after yourself thanks very much for giving up your time again today and uh, yeah, give Claire a follow. She's a super inspiring person to follow and to keep track of what you're doing. And good luck for everything that's coming up in the future. We don't know when, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll, you'll smash all your targets, definitely. Um, yeah, and thanks very much for coming up. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you.